going to do today's scripture reading. It is John 15, 1 through 8, and this is from the New International Version. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch and me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. What a wonderful um, blessing for me to uh, stand before you and be able to share uh, the word of God with you, even being my very first, and I believe God is going to help me do that. Um, and thank you, Brother Tana, for reading us for our scripture today, which is John 15, uh, verse 1 to 8. And just allow me to read again. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you, you wish and it will be done for you. And this is, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, what a, a blessing, O oh God, to be found by you uh, this afternoon that above everything else, Lord, to just listen, O oh God, in what you've prepared for us, O oh Lord. The scripture says your word, O oh God, is sharper than even double-edged soul that's able to penetrate spirits and soul, born and marrow, and tell of our thoughts, O oh God. And so, Lord, we uh, open up our hearts, O oh God, to you, uh, this afternoon, that you open up, O oh God, our, 
in almost years, Lord, to be able, oh God, to hear you speak to us. Different of our situation, oh God, this afternoon. And so, Lord, I lay myself as a vessel, oh God, to speak your word to your people. And we ask for outpouring of your spirit upon each one of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, um, John 15 is one of the passages that actually most of us might be very familiar with. Uh, it's a passage usually that reminds me about abiding and uh, bearing fruit. Interestingly, uh, every other time when we get an opportunity to go through this scripture, John 15, especially from verse 1 to 8, it is never enough reflecting and meditating on the inside God keeps revealing to us. And so we begin by exploring the question, what does it really mean for us to bear fruit? I'm very sure that each one of us will want to bear fruit in, 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 in wherever we do. You're looking forward to bear fruit in what you do. But the question is, what kind of fruit does Jesus want you to bear? What is that kind of fruit that Jesus wants you to bear? And if you're doing that, how can we be more fruitful? Do we think of, you know, we've done much enough to the, ex the potential God has given us? It reminds me of a uh, time we've, we've, we've served in, in the mission field uh, with my wife, beautiful wife, Mary. And every morning you think for an opportunity to be able to share the good news. And some of these people you're meeting, they have never had the gospel in their entire life. So you can think of such an opportunity that God is giving you to be an instrument to pass the good news for the first time to this person's life, which may save his life, or which will save his life or her life. So we will consider, whenever we are at home, we consider ways uh, you know, to have open doors. We, we call it open doors. We're opening our home for friends and most of the time for strangers to come to our home. And it's interesting, um, uh, back home in Kenya, where we live, literally we usually keep our house, I mean our doors open. We never close our door whenever we are home, which is very strange for me in different cultures. So I've been raised up all the time, all, whenever we are home, our door is always open. And that has been our culture. And uh, especially my dad, even at night, he doesn't close his door. Not that it's very much secure, but it's, it's, it's an aspect of culture where you, you, you prompt to welcoming people, prompt to letting people inside. Yeah? And one time, uh, we were in this mission field, uh, some part of Kenya, where some of this community, the house they live, have no doors. They only have a curtain. So you can get in, out anytime. You know, there's nothing to, 
prevent you doing that. And this is an area infested by hyenas, an area infested by warthogs. They are scorpions and snakes, but they have lived their entire life in this kind of culture. So it's very interesting for us to consider if we want to be more fruitful. Are there doors that need to be opened that you've not opened before? And so, whenever you think of doing something, that you think of, you know, you're putting your time, you're putting your energy in doing something, and you expect good returns. A, a good example is uh, in social media, which is quite popular in our time. And uh, when you're posting a picture or a video or a statement, you expect uh, to receive likes or someone sharing them or having good comments from it. Or if you are like me, uh, when I put my time and energy in teaching my daughter Hadassah new words as she grows, I look forward to see her learning and mastering them. That indeed, an orange tree will ever produce orange fruit. And a mango will do the same, will produce a mango fruit. So this kind of teaching, as we look at this scripture today, it kind of awakens our hearts. It shakes our hearts on what we are believing in to seriously reconsider, you know, our ways of life, that it matters what we do. So let's consider this parable of Jesus. And before this uh, scripture, chapter 15, in chapter 14, it tells us that Jesus and his disciples were about to leave the upper room where they had shared their Passover meal, the last supper. And they are going to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus will pray his great highly, uh, high priestly prayer and will later be arrested. And they walk to the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus begins to talk to his disciples about the parable of the vine. So, it's kind of his last instruction Abide in me. Why would Jesus choose abiding as his last instruction? After this, he was going to go to the cross, but he chose at this moment to speak about abiding in Jesus, abiding in him, abide in me. So what does abide in him mean from a, a dictionary defines abiding as to accept or act in accordance with a rule, decision, or even recommendation. Its synonyms include obey, to observe, to follow, uphold, to heed, and even to accept. Abide render the Greek term meno, which means remain. 
And out of 120 occurrences in the scripture, in the New Testament, meno is rendered remain, which also refers to to dwell or to continue or to tarry, endure. So you can, you can see how heavy the use of abiding here means for us. So in our text, the idea of remaining is clearly present, but more of dwelling in a certain place or staying as one's dwelling place. So to abide in Christ as a true vine is to make our home in him. To make our home in him. Just as he also makes his abode in us. So Jesus is instructing us to make him our home as he, make, as he makes his home in us. In verse 1, he speaks of, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. The analogy of vine used here was chosen in a unique way. It, the, the use of vine in this passage is a very important symbol. And in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was often likened to a vine. In Psalms 8, he says, Psalms 8, verse 8, that the exodus of Israelites from Egypt is described in terms of a vine being transported or transplanted from the soil of Egypt to that of Canaan. So it speaks of the nation of Israel as the vine. And in Isaiah 5, the nation of Israel is likened to a vineyard that does not produce fruit. Israel is represented as a vineyard planted by the Lord from which he expects good grapes. He says, the vineyard of the Lord Almighty, in verse 7, Isaiah 5, the vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel and the men of Judah are the garden of his delight. So Israel as a God and chosen people were to be God's priesthood and a holy nation proclaiming who God is to all other nations around them. A good example is what God speaks of Abraham in Genesis 12, verse 2 to 3. He says, I will make you into great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will, be, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the people of, on the earth will be blessed through you. So though, though, though Abraham led the children of Israel faithfully, that every other time they failed to fully live up to the God's promise as a vine. And therefore God had to send his only son, the Lord Jesus, into this world as a true vine. That's what we find in verse 1. So what Israel had failed to do, Jesus was going to accomplish. So our Lord Jesus described this new relationship between himself and his followers in terms of a vine. 
and it is branches and, it, and its branches. That he is the true vine and we believers are the branches. And the father is the vine dresser. So as a true vine, our Lord is the source of life and strength and fruit. There is a relationship of the complete dependence between the branch and the vine. The vine supplies life-giving nourishment to the branches, and apart from it, branches have neither life nor fruit. So as the branches, we have visible manifestation of the life of the vine. Just like a normal tree that you see life in the leaves, in the branches, that we are the instruments of fruit bearing. A tree without branches is no way it's going to bear fruit. So we hold a very important position that God has given us, that we are the instruments of the fruit bearing. And since our Lord ascension into heaven, the church has been the body of Christ. The world is to see him in us, that we are his hand, his feet, and his mouth. The Lord once ministered in his earthly body, but now ministers and reveal his life in his spiritual body. That what Jesus began to do and teach his church now continues to do and say. And for the father who is the vine dresser, the gardener, is intimately involved in this relationship between the vine and the branch. What he does, he cares for the branches in order to effect greater fruitfulness, fruitfulness, as we're going to see in a moment. And of course, the intention is for the branches to bear fruit. And when you think of bearing fruit in our scripture, you realize that the word fruit and good works are actually used nearly interchangeably in the Bible. In Titus 3.14, it says, let our people also learn to maintain good works to meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. And in Psalms 1.3, it says, the righteous man shall be like a tree planted by the, street, by the river of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So in practical terms, fruit represents good works. A thought, a thought, attitude, or action that God values because it glorifies him. And the fruit from your life is how God receives his due honor on earth. That's why Jesus declares, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, John 15, 8. So you, you bear inner fruit when you allow God to nurture in you a new Christ-like quality. It says in Galatians 5:22, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, and goodness, kindness, goodness, and fruitfulness. 
uh, and gentleness and self-control. So you also bear outward fruit when you allow God to work through you to bring his glory. He says in 2 Corinthians 9.8, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So we see fruit refers to all the entire life of those who follow Christ's teaching and experience his presence in their life through the Spirit. In verse 2, he speaks of he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. What is this about cutting off of branches? A Bible teacher by the name Bruce Wilkinson, who is the author of The Prayer of Jabez, he has also written a book called Secrets of the Vine. And Wilkinson first shows that the Greek word "airo" used for cut off can actually be translated as lift up. Normally, new branches, if you are a farmer growing the grapes or other types of crops, you realize new branches have a natural tendency to trail down and grow along the ground. And when branches grow, along the ground, the leaves get coated in dust. And when it rains, they get muddy and mildewed. So what do farmers do then? They usually, they will go through the vineyard, lift them up, and wash them. So lift up suggests an image of vine dresser leaning over to lift up a branch. I know some Bible teachers um, I've interpreted this verse to mean that if you bear no fruit, you can't be a Christian. But the, if you look at our verse 2, it speaks of but the, uh, the phrase, every branch in me, to mean that there are some branches in him that, or in, 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 in Christ that do not bear fruit. And that's why he's able to come and cut off. He's able to come and lift up. There are some of you um, who may feel in your life hasn't been really bearing fruit. You don't feel that joy or peace. You don't live maybe a life of self-control. You haven't been living in a life of love. You know that Jesus wants these things in your life but they are just not here there. So hear this, Jesus isn't coming after you, you know, with the shears, but he's coming with a bucket of water that he will clean the mud and mildew off you. So those attitudes or assumptions that hold you back from fruitfulness or fruitful living he will cleanse you and purify you. You may also realize that it takes time also for a vine to become strong enough to bear fruit. Similarly, it may take time to bear 
spiritual fruit. So don't give up, but hold on unto God. He says in Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you will carry it unto completion until the day of Jesus Christ. No matter where you are in your spiritual life, that Jesus isn't done with you yet. And so, he says, he cut off every branch in me that bears no fruit, which is, we are saying, is lift up. And while every branch that does not bear, while every branch that does, that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may be even more fruitful. So the vine dresser cuts away unnecessary shoots, no matter how vigorous, because a vineyard's only purpose is to bear fruit. So in fact, pruning is a grower's single most important technique for ensuring a plentiful harvest. So for the Christian, a rampant, rampant grow represents all those preoccupations and priorities in our life that, will, uh, while not wrong, are keeping us from more significant uh, fruitfulness that God has designed for our lives. So without pruning, Growing Christians will only be able to live up to a fraction of their potential. So the principle of pruning invites and a revealing question about your spiritual life. Are you praying to God's super abundant grace, asking him that he may take over, over your life to establish that which he has intended for right from the beginning. In pruning, God asks you to let go of the things that keep you from his kingdom purposes and your ultimate good. So pruning is how God changes our lives, transforms our lives, our thinking, our, our action, and what we say. That we have to make room uh, our vine dresser, our father, the vine dresser, to make room for the kind of abundant he created, it, he created for us. He must first cut away parts of our lives that drain precious time and energy from what truly impo is important. His plan for pr uh, pruning is anything but random, and he works in every life uniquely. And, and, and what, he judges, what he judges as wasteful for me might not be necessarily to you. And in the process of pruning, it might be quite pa uh, painful. God may be calling us to let go of, the, of, of something quite dear to us. Things that we think they are so much dear to us, but not really helpful to our spiritual lives. So God may even allow us to suffer for a time in order to get a new level of fruit bearing. He says in Hebrew 12, 7 to 11, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate, illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we 
have all had fathers who discipline us in our life and we respect them for it. How much more? How much more should we submit to the father of our spirit and life? Our father disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplined us for good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. It's hard to surrender, but there are times when it must be done. If we could just let go of the intellectual pride, maybe just an old grudge, the need to be right all the time, the tendency to look uh, at the mistakes of others rather than our own mistakes. If you can surrender that, then we might grow fruit of our own and enable those around us to bear much fruit. Amen. Thank you. Everything we do here today, whether it's worship, or witness, or study over the week, or sharing the gospel, or serving the Lord, each one of them is designed to help you bear more fruit than you are currently bearing. Some are so beat up by life, and they aren't bearing any fruit at all, but Jesus washes them and ties them up and lets them heal in his grace. Some are bearing fruit, but could be bearing so much more. So Jesus has identified with you in those areas. And so, Jesus sharing about him as the vine, and we are the branches, and the Father as the vine dresser, and he speaks of pruning and cutting off to change the priorities. Now Jesus moves and speaks to these disciples about Abide in me. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in me, the vi- unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So his purpose is not that you will, you will do more for him, but that you will choose to be more with him. Only by abiding can you enjoy the most rewarding friendship with God and experience greatest abundance of his glory. So Jesus is instructing us today to make him our home as he makes his home in us. If you think of what our home means to us, that home is where your heart is. It is where you want to be. That home is the place to which you return, the place to which you are eager to get back to. That home is where you feel comfortable and can really be yourself. That home is a place of safety and security. That home is there, is where you bring your friends when you wish to have fellowship with them. 
The home is the base of operation. It is the center of what we do. And home is where you find your strength for life. It is where you eat and sleep. The home is where the people and the things we love most are found. Is this what Jesus is for you? Should he be our place of refuge and security? Is this the reason for our fellowship with others? Should he be where our heart is? In Psalms 127 says, Unless the Lord bless, uh, builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise up early and you stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Let us all look at the message of the cross. And maybe perhaps you do not even have a relationship with the vine in the first place. John cried out and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. He's patient with you, nor wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Make Jesus your home today. Let abiding in him be our priority in our lives. That he be our treasure. Amen. God bless you. Lord, we thank you, oh God, for challenging our hearts this afternoon, oh God, after you. The reality of our lives is so much priorities, oh God, that compete, Lord, in our hearts. And we choose, oh Lord, to just lay it down, oh God, at your feet, oh God. That we can declare, oh God, that you are our Lord, oh God. That we submit your Lordship, oh God. For it's by grace that we've been saved, oh God. Not of our own works, oh God. But through faith, Lord, you've extended your hand, oh God. And pull us out of the mud, out of the dust, oh Lord. That you are lifting us up, oh God. That you're pruning the things in our life. The Lord are pulling us back, oh God, from experiencing the fruits and potential you so desire or purpose for our lives, oh God. That which you've purposed, Lord, in our families, in our children, in our place of work, oh God, in our neighborhood, as a community, oh God. That we'll be able to come to that point, oh Lord, that we fully experience who you are in our lives, oh God, inside out. 